morning. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC. And February is American Heart Month, and we are kicking it off with a show dedicated to your healthy heart. Today, my guest is Christy Bridges, Go Red for Women Director at the American Heart Association. And we want to talk to you today about living for a healthy heart. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or email us at fit at mpbonline.org. And we'll be back after the break. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Windsor Johnston. President Trump's order banning refugees from entering the United States, along with immigration from seven predominantly Muslim countries, remains on hold. It was temporarily struck down by a federal court this weekend. But as NPR's Tamara Keith reports, the legal fight is far from over. The State Department and Department of Homeland Security have lifted the ban, at least temporarily. So students and doctors and others from those seven countries rushed to get back into the U.S. And refugee agencies are putting people on planes as fast as they can to get them into the U.S. And, of course, there's an urgency because... The lifting of the ban could very well be temporary, depending on what happens in court. NPR's Tamara Keith. The confirmation vote of Betsy DeVos to be the next Secretary of Education is expected early this week. NPR's Elsa Chang reports Democrats are expected to slow the process. All Senate Democrats can do at this point to resist the confirmations of cabinet members they oppose is slow the Senate down to a crawl. They can't prevent any of the confirmations, but they can make the chamber burn through dozens of hours in between votes. Education Secretary nominee Betsy DeVos is the first one up this week. Vice President Mike Pence is expected to cast the tiebreaker vote on her because two Republicans have declared their opposition. After DeVos comes Jeff Sessions, the nominee for Attorney General, then Tom Price for Secretary of Health and Human Services and Stephen Mnuchin for Treasury Secretary. If Republicans want to get more than these four nominees confirmed before President's Day recess, they may have to stay in town this weekend. Elsa Chang, NPR News, the Capitol. New England Patriots star quarterback Tom Brady is getting ready to return to Boston with his fifth Super Bowl championship ring. He led his team to a stunning comeback to beat the Atlanta Falcons 34-28 last night. As NPR's Tovia Smith reports, it was an especially sweet end to a season that started with Brady suspended for four games for his role in Deflategate. It's been called the revenge game. Last night, Pats fans booed NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. At a press conference today, Goodell praised Brady. Cementing his legacy is not just a great Super Bowl performer, maybe one of the greatest players of all time. But it was awkward when Goodell presented Brady with the Lombardi and MVP trophies without a handshake. Uh, Tom, come on up. Get your trophy. Brady didn't take the bait when asked about Goodell. Pat's coach, Bill Belichick, called it insulting to suggest Brady brought more determination to this game than any other. But fans are already reading into a TV ad that ran right after last night's win that ends with Brady smiling wryly. Roger that. Tovia Smith, NPR News, Boston. Stocks are trading lower at this hour on Wall Street. The Dow was down eight points. The Nasdaq down a point. The S&P 500 down four. This is NPR News. 
Protests are continuing in Romania after the government scrapped a plan to ease penalties against corruption. NPR Saraya Sahardi Nelson reports many Romanians are calling on the prime minister and his cabinet to resign. An estimated 300,000 protesters turned out in Bucharest alone last night. It's the biggest display of Romanian public anger since the end of communism there in 1989. The protests erupted after the Romanian cabinet passed an emergency decree last week to make only major corruption punishable by jail. Romanian Prime Minister Soren Grindianu has since rescinded that decree, but rejects demands that he and his government step down. His government still plans, via a separate decree, to free about 2,500 prisoners. Critics claim those to be released include officials convicted of corruption. Soraya Serhadi Nelson, NPR News, Berlin. A special commission in Australia has found that 7% of the country's priests have been accused of sexually abusing children between 1950 and 2010. Royal Commission lawyer Gail Furness says the findings follow an investigation of Australian Catholic institutions. In each of those hearings, the experience of survivors was heard. The accounts were depressingly similar. Children were ignored or worse, punished. Allegations were not investigated. Francis Sullivan, the chief executive of the Church's Truth, Justice and Healing Council, calls the numbers shocking, tragic and indefensible. I'm Windsor Johnston and you're listening to NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from TIAA. Whether it's investing, advice, banking, or retirement, TIAA believes smart financial decisions should enable life, not define it. TIAA calls this the new success story. Learn more at TIAA.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, Call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, here today with my guest, Christy Bridges from the American Heart Association, in particular, director of the Go Red for Women campaign. And so you've probably heard or seen uh, the Go Red campaign around, and we're so happy that she's here to talk with us today about um, the Go Red campaign and uh, heart health, and in particular, women's heart health. So good morning, Christy. Good morning. We are so glad to be here. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, what the American Heart Association does and in particular what the Go Red for Women campaign is. So the Heart Association is in place because, you know, heart disease is such a huge issue, you know, across the nation. But in the state of Mississippi, um, we're kind of ground zero for heart disease. You know, we don't eat very healthy. We like the gravy. We like the biscuits. We do. It's uh, delicious, but it's not delicious. not a so not good necessarily for our heart. heart healthy. So, um, you know, our our mission is to decrease heart disease and deaths from cardiovascular disease by twenty percent by twenty twenty. So that's a big goal that it the is. Heart Association has set. Um, the Go Red for Women movement in particular is aimed towards women. Um, years ago, heart disease was thought of as a man's disease. You know, all of the research, all of the 
educational materials were geared around men. They thought it was an old white man's disease. I hate to say that, mm-hmm. but that's what it was. So 10 years ago, the Heart Association realized that a lot of women were dying from heart disease and that they needed to do something to get it out there that heart disease was women's number one killer. Um, I think that's something we don't often think about because we think of breast cancer and we do a great job of promoting breast cancer awareness, which we should. Right. But heart disease is that number one killer of women. And it is. Um, one in three women will die from heart disease. One in seven will die from all forms of cancer combined. You know, most people don't know that. And Go Red for Women has made it their mission to get it out there to women across the nation and here in Mississippi that heart disease is their number one killer. Only 17% of women understand that heart disease and stroke is their number one killer. So we've got a lot of work to do across the nation and here in Mississippi, and we're making great strides to uh, make sure that the message gets out. And that's what we want to talk to you guys about today. We want to answer your questions or hear your stories. And give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And it's not just for the ladies today. We do have our guest from Go Red for Women. But we want to talk about men's cardiovascular health as well. But we are going to highlight some special things for women just because our signs and symptoms are sometimes different. And that's really where this push has come from because it's not necessarily this crushing chest pain that radiates down your arm that women are having. So we want to answer all those questions today. Now, last Friday was Go Go Red Day. And how did Go Red Day get started? So um, Wear Red for Women is a day. Uh, it's generally the first Friday in February. It kicks off Heart Month. Uh, February is Heart Month. So we came together and decided that we would do Wear Red Day years and years ago, and it has caught on, and it has exploded here in Jackson in the past three years, and we are so proud to say that we lit up the governor's mansion red. I saw that. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. We are so thankful for the support of the governor and his wife, Deborah Bryant. They are um, great supporters of women and their heart, you know, heart health disease. Um, we, lit up, we lit up the... Um, Jackson City Hall red. There were about 40 buildings overall in Jackson wow. that lit up red. And we had over 100 companies participate in Wear Red Day activities, which means wearing red, um, you know, posting on social media with hashtag GoRedJXN. Right. So you can, if you want to see kind of what happened, you can search that hashtag online. And, okay, and you'll see my pictures. I uh, had some incredibly beautiful red shoes that were incredibly uncomfortable, but I wore them. How and, fabulous. <laughs> um, to go red for women. So do go and look at that gallery of pictures and check out all the folks that were wearing red for women's heart health. Because everybody's got a lady who's important to them. Everybody's got a mama or a sister or an aunt that they want to make sure live as long as they can and have a healthy heart. That's right. So what are some upcoming things that the Heart Association has that we can point people to or more information about heart disease? Well, there's some great resources on heart.org. There is a specific web page for Go Red for Women. It's goredforwomen.org. There are great tools out there for um, hypertension, stroke, heart disease, uh, well-being. There are hundreds of heart-healthy recipes online. So if you're a cooker and you like to prepare and meal prep, there's some great resources out there for you to use for for 
you know, year round. And that's a great tip. You know, my particular passion is, of course, uh, healthy eating and physical activity. So if you have questions about heart healthy diet, you can go ahead and send those to me today or give me a call and we'll have a dietitian on next week who's going to help us answer some of those questions. But I would love to talk with you about your diet and what you're eating and how that can impact your heart. And we've we've thrown out the word heart disease. But when we're talking about heart disease, there's several disorders that play into heart disease. You've got high blood pressure. We've got uh, high cholesterol and we've got diabetes. And those three things really impact our overall heart health. So when you're looking to uh, live for a healthy heart or work on your lifestyle for a healthy heart, those are three things that you really need to be looking at. What are What's your blood pressure? What's your blood sugar? And what's your cholesterol level? And those are things that we should be having done every year. Now, does the Heart Association, they have information on the website about what normal values are for those types of things? They do. They have all of the resources that you need to check your levels and um, prepare you to go to the doctor. There's some printable resources on goredforwomen.org about the questions that you should ask your physician and your doctor. Uh, You should be getting your healthy well woman checkup once a year. I'm sure that you all do. We all do. (laughs) And we talked about those last week and why they're so important. (laughs) And when you go, you can take that printout and you can talk to your doctor about what you need to be looking for. The things that you really need to be aware of when you go is, like you said, the blood pressure and 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 the cholesterol and things like that. But one of the things that we try to educate people on are their predisposition for heart disease. What is your family history? Did your mother have a family history? Did your grandmother have a family history? What about your dad? What about their sides of the family? Know your family history because that's going to set the tone as far as whether or not you're going to have a predisposition for heart disease. And if you do, you need to take the steps to make it right. Heart disease is 80% preventable. Which is, you know, it's a huge thing. It's something that is the number one killer of all Americans, and it's 80% preventable. Preventable, Right. You know, there are a few things that we can't modify. You know, we can't pick who our family was or is. And so those we can't do. We can't change our age. We can't change our gender. We can't change our race, race or ethnicity. But we can change what we're eating. We can change how active we are and how well our numbers are controlled. So I just like you said, make sure when you go to your healthcare provider that you or asking questions. Because if your blood pressure is normal, they may not even mention it to you. But there's power in knowing your numbers. So, you know, ask what your blood pressure is. Ask what your blood sugar is. And write those things down so you can track them from year to year. And if you notice that they're creeping up, you know, that's time to take action and, and have something done about that. My patients, you know, that sometimes I think they see... <laughs> Um, going on a medication as kind of a a failure. You know, if I have to go on blood pressure medicine, then I I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do and I wasn't able to control things. That is not the case. We have lots of great medications that are out there now that have been well studied, have great side effect profiles. And, you know, we want you to be on those so that we can bring your blood pressure down into a normal range if that's what needs to happen. So we'd love to talk with you about uh, your blood pressure questions, your cholesterol questions, diabetes questions as well. I've got my special guest here, Christy Bridges from Go Red for Women, and we want to talk with you. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org and we're waiting to hear from you and we'll be back after the break.
From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. For today's moment in black history, we salute Jackson State University. With such notable alumni as NFL great Walter Payton, Grammy Award winner Cassandra Wilson, and former Secretary of Education Rod Page, Jackson State University is a source of excellence in the black community. Founded in 1877 as Natchez Seminary, later moving to the capital city and becoming Mississippi's urban university. We salute Jackson State University. This has been MPB's Moment in Black History. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMC, here with my guest, Christy Bridges, from the Go Red for Women campaign with the American Heart Association. And this month is dedicated to your heart. We want to help you have a healthy heart and know your risk factors for heart disease. And we want to talk to you about those risk factors and any questions you have for us about heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and cholesterol. You can give us a call at one 877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Now, Christy, before we went to break, we were talking about um, heart health and knowing your numbers and and really using that information as as power. And I, I got an email from Janice in Hattiesburg, and Janice was confused about what numbers she should go by. She said in the past, when she went to her healthcare provider, she was told anything less than 140 on your top number for your blood pressure was where they wanted you to be. And this last time she went back, they said, no, you know, it needs to be 120 or less. And so she's a little confused about that. And so, you know, it's important to realize that when we're talking about blood pressure, we're talking about optimal levels. And so optimal means through all the research that we've done, looking at blood pressures on hundreds of thousands of of people across um, the nation, which people have the best outcomes, meaning have the, the least chance of having a heart attack or a stroke and coming up with the blood pressure that provides that that best chance. And so we used to think that it was okay to have that top number be a little higher, that, you know, 140 was okay on that. But now we know that that's actually doing some damage. And, you know, what what is the deal with having too high of a pressure? What does it do to us? Well, you know, with blood pressure, you know, I really would have to defer more to you on on that. But, right. you know, when you're having high blood pressure, it's putting your heart under stress, undue stress. And so you, the lower that number the better off your heart's going to be. So you really want to try to make sure that it's as low as you can get it. 140, right. obviously, you know, used to be the standard. You know, they're now saying 120. Obviously, as low as you can get that number is always going to be best case scenario. Right. So, you know, again, 120 is that optimal number. But if your blood pressure is 110, that doesn't mean it's bad. You know, I have people say, oh, my pressure is too low. It's not. If you have a blood pressure of 110 over 70 and you feel good, 
that's fantastic. You're lowering your risk even more. So work with your healthcare provider to get as close to that 120 number as you can, because just like you said, it's putting the heart under stress. And that's the way I like to explain it. The heart is a muscle. So, you know, when I go to the gym and work out, I'm trying to make my muscles get bigger and stronger because it makes them work better. Not the case with the heart. If it gets bigger, it doesn't necessarily get stronger. It actually doesn't pump as well because it doesn't fill up with blood as well. So getting that number, that top number um, as close to 120 as we can and that bottom number as close to 80 as we can is really going to decrease your risk. Now we do have a call from Randy and Brandon about heart disease. Good morning, Randy. You're on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. Hi, good morning. How are you guys? We're just fine. How are you doing today? Doing doing very well. Thank you. I just had a, a quick concern here. Uh, okay. I lost my father in 1997. Uh, he was 43 years old uh, mm-hmm. to a massive coronary heart attack. Then I lost my twin brother last about a year and a half ago. He was 34. And then I lost my mother last week. I'm uh, so sorry. So, thank you so much. And it created a psychosis in my brain that I'm next. I'm next. Right. I'm that's, that's next. Understandable. And I went to the doctor this morning, and my blood pressure was 128 over 80, which I think is great. Okay. And and I just, I don't understand. I mean, all of these people who, who, who I was just talking about uh, were overweight. I wouldn't call mm-hmm. them morbidly o- obese, mm-hmm. but that they were o- overweight. I mean, that's all... All I can think of because they did not have high blood pressure. Okay. You know, I I, I just want to know why, you know. Well, you know, there are some medical conditions that can cause the heart to have valves that are diseased that can uh, cause, you know, early cardiac death or some of the arteries may be narrowed or stenosed that can do that. So it's not just blood pressure. Um, We mentioned cholesterol earlier. That's a big one because what cholesterol does is it accumulates in the blood vessels and it it stops them up just like a a hairball would stop up a, a drain. And when those get stopped up, they don't deliver oxygen and nutrients to all your body tissues, including your brain and your heart, as well as they should. So cholesterol is one of the the big markers that we look at when we're talking about heart disease. So I don't know if you had that checked this morning, but that's definitely something you want to keep a watch on. And, um, you know, you can work on that with diet and exercise, but some of it's inherited. You know, some of that is genetic in nature. And, you know, that means that a medication may be the best option for you on that. The other thing you want to look at is your blood sugar and make sure that that's controlled. And then also your weight. You know, the more weight that you carry around your midsection, so your abdomen area, the greater the risk of of heart disease. So, you know, even if you're not considered terribly overweight, if you're carrying a little bit more weight around the abdomen, that's a risk factor for heart disease. So those are some things that you can work with your healthcare provider on to make sure that you decrease the risk as much as possible. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, guys. Have a great day. Thank you so much, and thanks for calling. And I am so sorry that you've had so much loss uh, recently, but I'm happy to hear that you're you're taking control of your health and, and working on those risk factors. So you have a great Monday, okay? And you as well, ma'am. Thank yes. you. You're welcome. 
guys, if you want to talk to us today and ask us questions about um, heart disease and your risk factors for heart disease, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Give me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. I'm here with my guest, Christy Bridges, from the Go Red for Women campaign. And so, Christy, um, we've talked, uh, we were talking just now about some of the the biological risk factors for um, heart disease, like being a little bit overweight, carrying extra weight around the abdomen, um, not uh, being as physically active as we should, cholesterol, things like that. All those are just as important regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, correct? Correct. So it's it's not, that's not different. What no. can be different is those symptoms that we have for heart disease. You know, male um, kind of alarm signs or danger signs that we've typically thought of are these crushing chest pain, uh, pain that shoots down the arm uh, or into the, the neck. Those are kind of the male symptoms that go along with heart disease. And so women, I think, sometimes kind of write their their symptoms off as just being a tired mom or a busy professional. So what are some of the signs of heart disease in women? So I've been told multiple times that one thing about my job is I've been able to meet so many wonderful survivors and I love to hear their stories and each story is different. Um, You know, I've had one lady tell me it felt like someone literally just stuck their hand on top of their chest, like, like there was a pressure there, but no pain you know, nothing like that. Like a big squeeze like a, almost. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even a squeeze. She said it just, it was like a veil almost over oh. her heart that she just knew something was wrong and she ended up having to have two stents put wow. in. Um, other people said that it was flu-like. Mm-hmm. Um, you I've know. heard that as well, that they feel kind of nauseous, nauseous even. yeah. So, you know, don't just discount nauseous as you ate something bad or you're having indigestion, you know, really pay attention to your body with that. And is that new for you or, you know, is it not going away? Do you feel like you have the flu basically? And it's for women, it, it's just a an overwhelming feeling of tiredness, can't catch your breath, um, dizziness, lightheadedness, sometimes chest pain, shortness of breath. Sometimes it comes by in the way of a persistent cough. Mm-hmm. Um, decrease tolerance due to exercise. Like if you were able to work out, you know, months ago and all of a sudden you're getting really tired mm-hmm. and fatigued, you probably need to get checked out because mm-hmm. that's not normal. I have a volunteer who let me know that her mother-in-law, who is 80 plus years old, had just gotten to where she just couldn't get around anymore. And she was just tired all the time. And she was always sleeping and she just, she couldn't do anything. And she finally got up and just went to the doctor and Mm -hmm. said, something's got to be wrong. Well, went in and she had 90% blockage in her heart. And they went in and it was an overnight thing. And they put those stents in there. Mm -hmm. And she came back and said, you know what? I've been given my life back. Right. I can get out and I can garden and I can walk. And That's my amazing. friend says, you know what? My my mother-in-law is outrunning me. <laughs> she said she is fantastic. So it just completely turned her life around. And it, it doesn't matter what your age is. Right. You know, I've got survivors who are 14, 15, 50, 80. Right. You know, it's never too late to get checked Just out. like Randy mentioned, he lost his brother at the age of 34. So when we were mentioning those risk factors and family history earlier, one that you should really um, pay attention to and think is, did I have anyone in my family who died 
prematurely or at a young age, especially of a, a, you know, a cardiac issue. Because if they did, then you need to be seen sooner rather than later to make sure that there's not something that we can catch early on and prevent um, from you as well. A lot of my survivors do have a, ha- a family history, and a lot of it was caught because of their family mm-hmm. history. They were very diligent in watching, and it wasn't just their general practitioner they went to. They went the step further, and they went to the hospital and had a, heart, a healthy heart screening. Right. Those are available at several of the local hospitals. They're all wonderful. They're very detailed, and you go in, and they do a couple of tests that they run, and they do a few scans. If you have a family history of heart disease, be sure that you are getting it checked out correctly. Mm-hmm. Don't just, you know, take it and put it to the side and say, okay, well, you know, my cholesterol looks good. Go that step further. Mm-hmm. Get that screening. Make sure that there is nothing there, that you're preemptively making sure that all of your levels are where they should be, that there are no blockages that you don't see. The thing that broke my heart about the young man that called earlier said, you know, there were no signs, there were no symptoms. Mm-hmm. It just happened. Well, you know, it could have been something that was... A congenital heart defect. Mm-hmm. It was something that maybe they were born with and they didn't have any, mm-hmm. you know, any, uh, any signs on the outside exactly. that there was anything going on. You're right. And those, I'm glad you mentioned those kind of heart screenings. They are available at, at a lot of hospitals <laughs> and you know, what comes on those panels varies from hospital to hospital, but usually you get an EKG, which mm-hmm. looks at the kind of electrical pathway through the heart to make sure it's not beating too slow, beating too fast, or beating in a rhythm that just isn't the best for sending blood out to your body. Um, some of them do an echocardiogram, which is like an ultrasound of your heart, and that looks at the um, how well it pumps, how well the valves in the heart are working, and what the actual muscle of the heart looks like. Um, a lot of them will also do uh, carotid ultrasounds. So your carotids are the two big arteries that feed your brain with uh, blood and oxygen. And so they come directly um, from the heart, pumping blood through them. And that's what makes your brain work. And those can get stopped up with um, plaque and they can harden from you know longstanding high blood pressure and high cholesterol. And so getting those, a little ultrasound of those will tell us if those are blocked or not. And if they are, we can actually get those cleaned out um, with a you know a cardiovascular surgeon that can clean those out so that your brain continues to get enough um, blood and oxygen to it. Because when it doesn't, that's when we have stroke. So those are a good option. A quick thing that you can get your regular healthcare provider to do is to listen to your carotid arteries. So everybody's used to their having their heart listened to and their lungs listened to, but we can actually take our stethoscope and we get you to hold your breath and we put the stethoscope right on the side of your neck. So if you've ever had that done, you're probably thinking, what the heck are they listening to my neck for? What's in there that's making noise? And the answer is there shouldn't be anything in there making noise. <laughs> so we shouldn't hear anything. But if if the arteries are kind of starting to get clogged up, sometimes we will hear a, a whooshy noise in there. And that lets us know that there may be a problem going on in there. So ask your healthcare provider if they're not doing that. I know I listen to all my patients' uh, necks, and a lot of them have said, this is the first time anybody's ever listened to my neck. It's quick. It's free. You know, you're already there. I might as well listen to it. And uh, most people don't know that, you know, they don't know that they can take it the step further and go mm-hmm. and have a heart screen. And I think that they wait for their doctor to tell them when it's time. Right. And most people with heart disease or a family history of heart disease need to know that they can take that power into their own hands. Mm-hmm. They can go get checked out. Um, And I don't want anybody to feel anxious about getting checked out because things have come so far just in the past five to 10 years when heart is 
is related. When people have blockages now, it's literally an outpatient right. thing. Yeah, it's you not know, necessarily it's, open heart surgery exactly. where you're going to be in the so, hospital. You know, for days I don't and days want you. Yeah, yeah, we don't want you to to be like you know. I don't want to find out what's wrong with me because I may have to have my chest broken open. That's not the case anymore. Right. The research has come so far in such a small amount of time. Uh, a lot of that comes from research from the heart from American Heart Association, mm-hmm. and so. There are a lot of great things going on in the cardiovascular world that we're extremely excited about, and we want you guys to to take advantage of those things. And we want to hear from you and talk to you today about uh, your stories with heart disease or anything that we can do to help you live a healthier uh, life. Give us a call at one 672 7464 That's one eight seven seven mpb ring Or shoot me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the break. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Struggling rural counties and key states helped put Donald Trump in the White House. But some experts are skeptical that his policies will help. Instead, they say rural America needs to invest in health care, education, and immigrants. The rural regions that will thrive in the future are the ones where that diversity is strongly expressed. I'm Audie Cornish. That story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, here with my guest, uh, Christy Bridges from Go Red for Women. And we have another guest who joined us over the break. We're with Rochelle Culp, who's the director of the Mississippi Tobacco Free Coalition and a longtime supporter of the American Heart Association and the Go Red for Women campaign. We're so glad that you were able to join us today. And we're going to talk about the impact of tobacco on heart disease in just a minute. We do have a call from Aaron and Meridian, so we want to go to Meridian and talk with Aaron this morning. Good morning, Aaron. Yeah, it's Eric, and how you doing? Oh well, hey, Eric. Yeah, I just got in a little blast about your uh, about the cardioid artery uh-huh. and, uh, uh, and listening to it with a cesco, and uh, I've never had that done. I've had 
heart surgery uh, in 2002, quadruple bypass, and uh, I've had Dopplers, heart Dopplers, mm-hmm. and ultrasound, which is the same thing, I think, and chest x-rays. Uh, but uh, and here's my problem is that I'm, since that, uh, and I am overweight, I've got arterial sclerosis, uh, 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 which brought on the heart surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I've been foggy-headed lots of days. Uh, can't seem to shake a fogginess in my head. Okay. Is that anything to do with uh, not enough blood going to your brain? And would, would, uh, I think you, would you say something about a ultrasound, uh, ultrasound of the carotid artery? Is yes. that what you were talking about? Yes. Please fill me in. Yeah. So, um, you know, the brain, the way it, the two things it needs is sugar and, and oxygen. And one of the ways it gets that's through the blood. So anything that limits the blood flow to the brain can cause, you know, confusion, fogginess that you were talking about, um, you know, fatigue, uh, decreased memory, that kind of stuff. So definitely you want to have that checked out. Now, the ultrasound that we were talking about is called a carotid ultrasound or a carotid Doppler. And that is just a little, you know, one of the little wands that they move back and forth on your on the arteries on your neck. And it can tell us um, the percent of blockage or the rough percent of the blockage. Of course, the only way to know for sure is to actually, you know, go into the carotid artery and see through, a, you know, some form of um, maybe a, an imaging study that uses dye. But with the ultrasound, it can tell us, you know, that there is some narrowing of that artery that may need to be evaluated further. So, you know, with the mental fogginess that you're describing, of course, I can't say, yeah, you know, it's definitely caused by, yeah. you know, a blockage in your carotid arteries. But, you know, as a primary care provider, that would be one thing I would say, hey, you know, I've got a gentleman who's had a history of some, some you know, cardiovascular type problems. This is something I definitely want to have uh, checked out further and, you know, have that seen about. So have I would, you ever... Go ahead. Well, I've tried to, uh, you know, uh, tried the thyroid thing, but my thyroid levels all been fine, but I tried it for a while. It didn't mm-hmm. make any difference. Mm-hmm. This and that, and I think my most of my doctors just say because I'm severely overweight that uh, that it's just that that's just the main thing. Of course, I know that's that's bad for everything in right. general. But uh, 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 have you ever known the connection? Have you had cases where there is a been a definite connection between blood flow uh, of the? I mean, uh, uh, from the car. Uh, what blockage or diminishing of the blood flow of the carotid artery to the brain to cause somebody to be, like I said, foggy-headed uh, lots of times. Right. There can definitely be a link there um, between, you know, blood flow to the brain and the ability of the brain to work appropriately and be able to, you know, think clearly. There are other medical causes for that as well um, that, you know, you really need to work with your healthcare provider to get you know, all those big things checked off the list first to make sure it's not those and then work on um, figuring out what the cause is. So you definitely need to get back in and be seen and, you know, ask those specific questions. You know, what, you know, what do my carotid arteries look like? You know, what, you know, how is my heart uh, really working right now? So definitely get those done. And, you know, I heard you say that you were overweight, you know, start uh, making simple, easy, quick choices that can help with that. And my number one tip for um, starting to work on what you're eating is just to simply eat a smaller 
plate, use a smaller plate. So the plates that come in our dish set are 10 inch plates and they're big and the American plate um, so that we can fit more food on there. And uh, what we should be eating off of is the seven inch plate, which is the middle plate in the dish set. That's the salad plate that nobody eats the salad on. Um, and it kind of just <laughs> collects dust over in the in the cabinet. But that's what we should be eating off of. And so if you uh, go ahead and switch to that size plate, it's kind of built in portion control. Now, we'll tell you that's one layer on that plate. Don't stack it up vertical. I had a lady who got really, really tall on her seven inch plate. It was the leaning tower of food that we had. So that's kind of my number one tip for um, making an easy, quick change. So Erin, I hope that you will go back to your healthcare provider and have a really good conversation with them about your risk factors for cardiovascular disease and, and find a cause for what's going on to make you have some fogginess. All right. Well, thanks a lot. You're so welcome. You have a great day. Okay. And you can give us a call with your questions at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or give me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Before we went to the break, we were, had talked about uh, these uh, heart health screenings that you can get at uh, local hospitals. If that's something that you're interested in, please email me at fit at mpbonline.org, and I'll be happy to point you to some of the uh, hospitals that are offering those screenings for you so that you can get that done. Now, I mentioned I had a new guest in with me, Rochelle Culp from the Mississippi. Tobacco Free Coalition. Good morning, Rochelle. Good morning. I want to say happy heart month to all of the That's listeners right. out there today. You know, I think it's uh, so fantastic that Valentine's Day falls within heart month. I mean, like really. Because everything <laughs> is red already and there's pictures of hearts everywhere. So when you're at the store and all you see are those chocolate boxes of hearts, I don't want you to think, ooh, candy. I want you to think, ooh, heart health. And don't, you know, Make a maybe maybe make a, a dark chocolate choice because that's at exactly. least a little bit hard, a little bit better for your heart. But at least that's kind of should be prompting you to think about your heart health. So tell me what the Mississippi Tobacco Free Coalition is all about. We're all about awareness, tobacco prevention, and awareness across the state. I have thirty three other colleagues. I represent Madison, Yazoo, and Holmes County, but I have thirty three other colleagues that have coalitions all throughout the eighty two counties across Mississippi. And we do have two in school programs that we do and most of the uh, listeners probably have heard of those. And that's the RAT, Reject All yes, Tobacco Reject All Tobacco program from K to sixth grade. And then we have Generation Free for our middle school and our high school students. And it's just a excellent tobacco curriculum program to expose kids to the dangers of uh, smoking and other tobacco products. And so I'm glad you mentioned there's resources in every county. So don't, you know, don't think it's just something we're kind of hoarding down Mm -hmm. here in in Jackson. Um, There are um, opportunities to get more information, to get help um, all across the state. Yes. And And we are funded by the Mississippi State Department of Health. So you can just go out to their website and look up the Tobacco Free Coalitions and they'll have us listed by counties and it would be someone in your county to service you. Fantastic. So Smoking and tobacco use is not good for our heart. Not good. Not good at all. If you are have heart disease and you are smoking, I want to encourage you to quit today. <laughs> and so also, too, I want to encourage those individuals that may have a family history of heart disease to protect yourself from secondhand smoke and thirdhand smoke as well. I'm so glad you said thirdhand smoke. Mm-hmm. Tell me about thirdhand smoke because that's something not a lot of folks know about. They do not. Actually, I was at a board of supervisors meeting this morning talking about getting a resolution signed and talking about heart 
month. And one of the supervisors said, what is third-hand smoke? So third-hand smoke is actually the chemicals that linger around in the air and land on surfaces in an environment where someone has been smoking. And I want to talk about that some more, but I do want to go to Kay in Memphis. And Kay has a question about checkups. Good morning, Kay. Oh, yes. Um, I have had a cardiologist for quite some time, and in my, with my previous one, I remember on two different occasions they checked my carotid arteries. Mm-hmm. And one, they were both under 50%. Okay. But anyway, I was recently at St. Francis, which has a good cardio unit, and they did everything. They did the stress test. They did everything mm-hmm. on me. But they did not check my carotid arteries, mm-hmm. and I have a new cardiologist, and I, it occurred to me he didn't check them, so shouldn't I be asking them to please listen to my carotid? I think you can always ask any provider that you see to take a listen. Um, yeah. but I, in- have, I have 15 years' experience in hospitals and clinics. I have a master's degree in medical social work, so I keep up. I keep a file of my, of my own. When they wheel me into the emergency room, I handed my my envelope over. To, I said, I bet you've never had a patient come in here and hand you their medicine. <laughs> oh, I love it when patients do that because it saves me the trouble of having to track it down, and it's right there for me. So, you know, I would say if it's something that you're concerned about, then it's something your health care provider should be concerned about because you're well, partners not, in care. I'm on, I'm on cholesterol medication mm-hmm. and, and blood pressure and so forth. But it just occurred to me, it's been probably a year and a half or more since anybody has even listened to my carotid, except me. I have a stethoscope and I listen, but I can't tell the difference. Yeah, that's a, it's a hard, that's a harder skill to pick up on and, and how to listen to those. But I would tell you most definitely, if that's something that you're worried about, that you speak with that cardiologist. And I, I know okay. they will, will help you out. And as a practicing uh, medical person... Wouldn't you think of doing that to a patient if they had if they if there is a problem? I have cholesterol problems. Mm-hmm. But my, they were not blocked the same amount, in, right? But they were both under fifty percent. But that was a year and a half ago, and I just wondered if it wouldn't be if it's not going to cost me anything more. Uh, to do it, but it should not be asking, reminding him he hasn't checked it. Well, you can just ask. You know, there's probably a very good reason. Sometimes when we're listening to the actual heart, we'll hear things that tell us we need to listen up in there. And so he may not have heard any of those things. But it's always something that you can <laughs> talk with them about and and he, see he if sort, that's he something. Sort of, he sort of knew with me. He's one of the best in the country. Well, uh, then I uh, know uh, he's he, doing what he's supposed to be doing. But yeah, but but I think he leaves a lot of it to me because he knows that I know what I need and I've forgotten about the carotid. I would just like to, you know, it won't take two minutes for him to listen to them and he can tell whether, you know, how they're doing and whether or not I need a carotid. They did a complete, you know, the stress test. Mm-hmm. They cost $11,000 anyway. And they said my heart and my lungs were fine. And, I, and I'm 86 years old. I know because I know who you are, Miss Kay. I remember you calling me before, and I always enjoy talking with you. And so I want you to go back and you talk with uh, your cardiologist, and you let them know that you would like for them to take a listen to your carotids and get that checked out, okay? And you call me anytime. I always like to talk with you. All right, we're going to go back to uh, talking about this third-hand smoke because okay. I really want to pick back up on that because a lot of um, – 
I, I see a lot of children, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know some of their parents are smokers, and they'll say, "Well, I just I don't smoke when they're at home, or I don't smoke uh, you know around them. I'll mm-hmm. go outside, mm-hmm. but that stuff's still." hanging around. That's correct. Even if a parent says that they don't smoke in the home, when they come back into the home, they're bringing those chemicals back in the house. So let's say we had a parent that was a smoker and they go outside and smoke. They have a baby or infant. So when they come back in and pick that infant up and hold that infant to their chest, that infant is breathing in those chemicals from that secondhand smoke that landed on their clothing. Mm -hmm. So it is very, very dangerous. And we know that the secondhand smoke can cause ear infections and pneumonia in children and even SIDS. So it's very important that parents be aware of putting even in more procedures to protect their children from secondhand and thirdhand smoke. You know, the going outside and smoking is just not do, not going to do it anymore. You know, really need to think about developing a quit plan and following that quit plan and becoming quit, not only for themselves, but for the health of their families mm-hmm. as well. And if you want information about how to uh, quit smoking or need support with that, you can email us at fit at mpbonline.org and we'll be happy to send you some more information about that, put you in contact with the Ag Center um, that can get you some resources for that as well. So if you have questions about how to stop smoking or why you should in relation to your heart health, or if you have questions about anything related to your heart, we want to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. And we'll be back after the break. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Hey, it's Peter Sagal. Are you resolved to lose a few pounds this year? How about a few thousand pounds through the Public Radio Vehicle Donation Diet? Donate your old car, truck, or RV to support this station and drop a lot of unwanted weight from your garage in a matter of days. And you'll feel great because you're also supporting public radio in the biggest of ways. It's easy, fast, and you may even earn a tax write-off. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Welcome back. 
You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, here with my guests, Christy Bridges from the Go Red for Women and Rochelle Culp from the Mississippi Tobacco Free Coalition. And we're answering your questions about heart health today. And when we left on the break, we were talking about um, third-hand smoke and second-hand smoke and, and why we need to stop smoking for our heart health. So, Rochelle, what... What's the link between heart disease and and tobacco? Dr. Burrow, a lot of people think about lung cancer when Mm -hmm. they think about smoking, but it really affects the heart. Uh, You know, it raises the triglyceride levels. Uh, It makes the the blood more sticky and more likely to clot. It damages cells that line the blood vessels, and it causes thickening and narrowing of the blood vessels. And I know you already discussed Mm -hmm. discussed that. And And what's that doing is making your heart work a lot harder than it should along with your lungs and so it's 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 very dangerous to the to the heart as well as it is to the lungs right. very damaging i try and think about it as it just makes the vessels clamp down yeah. mm-hmm. and so we've talked about how the blood vessels are, are delivering things and really think about your blood vessels as as the highway and the interstate and the off ramps and on ramps and all of that of your body driving around your blood and your oxygen and when you know just like when we get uh the stack gets all stopped up on a monday morning at eight o'clock in the morning when your blood vessels get narrowed like that then you don't deliver the blood and oxygen as well. And that's what smoking and tobacco use can do. It can clamp down those blood vessels and make them be um, too small. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, smoking and tobacco use is something that if you're, you know, you're ready to really take control of your heart health, that's one of the ways that you really need to start with that. And so I've got a couple of callers. I'm going to go to Paul in D'Iberville. Good morning, Paul. Paul? Hello. Hey, yeah. you're on Southern Remedy. Oh, hi. hi. How are you? I'm well today, thank you. And Good. Uh, kudos, on, kudos on your anti-smoking. I quit smoking 30 years ago, but oh, I'm afraid fantastic. done considerable damage. And uh, uh, my question isn't about smoking specifically. Okay. Uh, I have coronary disease. Okay. I've had bypass. I've had stents. Right now it's well managed by my cardiologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but recently I had a rather frightening change in my resting electrocardiogram okay uh and went back to my cardiologist because it it looked like i was maybe losing a stent or something like that okay and he performed a uh myocardial perfusion scan Mm -hmm. with uh, with pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. and repeated the ekg and what what's amazing to me and what i'm asking about the repeat ekg was completely normal or back to baseline and the perfusion scan was also completely normal, which is amazing because it's never been normal. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm a little concerned about why would an EKG become so abnormal and then revert right. spontaneously. And uh, the only difference recently in my care is a new medication, renolazine. Mm-hmm. For angina. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll I talk. Know, a little bit technical, but I was wondering if you. Yeah. So why would an EKG become? I mean, it showed new changes uh, right. in different parts of my heart, and right. and yet when I did the scan, everything was completely normal. I was I'm happily amazed. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's great. You know, an EKG. What it looks at is it looks at the electrical pattern in the heart. So you know, the heart conducts electricity, and that's what makes the the muscles kind of beat and move in there, and that's what's um, being looked at on. An EKG. So we're not able to actually look at 
um, the actual blood flow through the heart or any of the actual valves or muscle. So what it can tell us is if the muscle appears to be too big. It can tell us if there are beats coming from places where they shouldn't be coming because you have kind of a natural pacemaker, which is where your beats you know come from. Um, and it can tell us if maybe um, some of the muscle has been damaged in the past. And so those are kind of some of the things that we can tell on EKG. And when we do EKGs, we put little stickies all over you and put little leads on there. Now, you know, it could be that the leads were not quite stuck correctly or in the right spot can give us kind of weird patterns on an EKG. It could be movement on the EKG showing you kind of a funny thing. Um, But the definitive test is going to be to have that perfusion scan that you mentioned um, to take a look at that. So, you know, that's why we always compare EKGs and why we always get a repeat EKG to make sure it wasn't just something crazy the first time. Uh, but the fact that the scan became normal, can coronary artery disease regress? Well, if it's true blockage, it's it's hard to get that unblocked unless they go in and put a stent in. So, um, you know, not if the damage has been done, it's unlikely to reverse. So I hope that that answered a little bit of your question. If not, give me an email at fit at mpbonline.org, and I'll be happy to send you some more information about that. And we're going to go to Jan in Columbus. Good morning, Jan. Hi. Hi. What can we help you with today? I'm sorry, just one moment. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. My question is, uh, does most of the tobacco also pose a risk for cardiac health? So um, I'm assuming you're talking about, like, the the vaping and the e-cigarettes. Is that what we're talking about? or? Yeah. We- and uh, chewing tobacco. And chewing tobacco. Okay. So with with chewing tobacco, you're not getting the um, the inhaled smoke and the kind of um, damage that that does, but it's still got the nicotine in it, which nicotine is one of the things that makes those arteries clamp down. So yes, it's still a risk for cardiovascular disease, and it's also a risk for oral cancer as well. So that has its own set of health problems. Um, what's your experience with the e-cigarettes or the vaping with that? There's not a lot of research out there right now because the e-cigarettes are so new, new and some of the and a lot of the vaping products. But yes, they do have that damaging nicotine in them. So you want to be very very mindful of that. And like you already mentioned, some of the things that you know that nicotine can can, can do to the heart. Mm-hmm. So you know, and what studies are showing right now as far as the e-cigarettes, as I know some individuals that smoke are trying to use those to quit, and we are showing that they're either becoming a substance Substitute tobacco. I mean, t- substitute product for their tobacco, or they're using it in conjunction with their tobacco, and it's really not getting them to a point of quit. And you know, I don't know if that's what the listener was really mm-hmm. the question that she was really asking. But that's just some information out there for listeners that may want to know. And if I use this, as if it's going to help me quit. Right. So you know, we want them to possibly call the Mississippi Quit Line as well. That's right. And you can uh, go back to our podcast. We had our a guest from the ACT Center a couple of weeks back who talked all about smokeless tobacco. And you can get more information there. So enjoyed uh, my guests today, Christy Bridges and Rochelle Culp, and our discussion on heart health and how you can live to, for a healthier heart. Next week, we'll continue our kind of tribute to uh, your healthy heart with our uh, guest. It'll be a registered dietitian to talk with us about how to eat for a healthier heart. So tune in next week, Monday at 11. Mm-hmm.